Good morning, everyone. This morning we find ourselves in Exodus 19, and it's quite an important chapter. In the third month after the sons of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that very day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. So they're, they're coming before Mount Sinai now, and God is going to begin to give them his law, his word. He's going to begin to give Moses uh, the books of the law. And this is really where we get the onset of, uh, you know, the Old Testament writings, Moses's writings, God's writings, the Ten Commandments, and so much more. And what 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 I want to let you know is how important this was, because here you have this throng of people coming out of Egypt with really no government structure, uh, no laws, no rules. Here they've been slaves in Egypt and under the Pharaoh for a very long time. And now this mass of people has to figure it out in the desert. And Moses, as we saw in the previous chapter, Exodus 18, was wearing himself out, essentially being governor of the people, and everyone was coming to him. And then he had to designate or delegate underneath him some people who would help him in the governance of the people. But they still didn't have written instruction from God. And that's the other thing is, you know, a lot of times as Christians, we look back on the law and we know that Jesus Christ has fulfilled the law. And now the way that we interpret the law is through a New Testament understanding. So there's much of the law that we adhere to and believe and say is good. But what we do is we look at it as how the New Testament clarified that we are able to, that we should follow the law today. And and much of the law is is no longer applicable to the Christian church today. And again, how do we decide that? Well, we take a look at what all of the New Testament had to say and where they and Jesus and the apostles abided by the law. Uh, like, obviously, we shouldn't take the Lord's name in vain. We shouldn't steal. Uh, we we even have in the Sermon on the Mount a where Jesus made the law even more thorough, you know, instead of <clears throat> lust is committing adultery or, you know, you're not supposed to be a- angry with your brother is murder and we shouldn't stay angry with our brother. So in some ways, Jesus even made the law more comprehensive, but there are many laws that they were given. Uh, as an example, food laws, there's even been changes to the Sabbath that we can eat pork, shrimp, uh, things of that nature today. We're not under that law anymore. And you can you can see all this. It's all taught to us in the New Testament. A lot of times, you know, people will uh, ignorantly, and I don't mean that in a harsh way, but ignorantly, they'll, they'll say, you know, oh, you believe in, that you should follow the word of God. And then they'll try to prove to the church that we don't follow the word of God because they'll pick out some Old Testament law about not wearing mixed fabrics or something like that and say, see, you don't even follow this anymore. And they don't even understand that we're not under that covenant in that way anymore. And that in the new covenant, you know, there's no, there's no law or rule regarding having mixed fabric clothes. So that's one of them that's no longer uh, enforced uh, in, in Old Testament law. And it's not, it's very clear. You can, you can discern all this and knowing the word of God, but a lot of people just don't 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 know it. So that's why it's important, as we do in reviewing the Word, to know the whole counsel of God's Word, 
If if not, you're going to easily be deceived, and that's why it's so important to read the whole Bible and understand the whole Bible. And I'm glad that you're you're taking that journey. So they're about to get these laws from God. What a blessing it is! Think of this. One more thing on this is that if you didn't have written guidance from God, and now He was about to put in writing guidance for you for the first time in history, you would have what God desired. What a blessing that would be! I mean, think of how valuable. The word of God is us is to us today, both Old and New Testaments. Think of how glad that we, thankful, blessed we are to have the word to guide our lives. And they didn't have that. So getting this word from God was was massive and something to be revered. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. So when they set out, verse 2, from Rephidim, and they came to the wilderness of Sinai and camped in the wilderness, and there Israel camped in front of the mountain. So they're all camped there. And Moses went up to God, and the, the Lord called him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the sons of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how he delivered them, how he did all those plagues to set them free, and how he, he bore you on eagles' wings. It was as though God was carrying you out of there and brought you to myself. Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. Now this is God's beautiful original design, that you will be my family. And what I want you to do is 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 obey my voice and keep the guidance that I give you, and you'll be my very own possession. You will be my people, for the whole earth is mine, but you shall be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. You're going to be my special people. What a marvelous thing to have that kind of a relationship with God. And look what his original design was, that they would be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, that he would look at the whole nation as his people, his close people, his his ministers, his priests, the whole nation was looked at that way. Now, there's a couple of things that I want to take a look at here. One is that if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, and that's always been something that God desired in the old covenant, that we would heed what he had to say and that we would obey. And it's still true today. God's desire is that through old and now new covenant teachings, that we would take the whole Bible and that we would obey it. And now we know that we're saved by faith. And and they were saved by faith too, the Bible says. If you look back through the New Testament lens, faith is what mattered to God even back then too. But faith is expressed through obedience. God wants us, because we are people of faith, to show that we are faith by obeying his word. It was true then, and it's true now. Uh, now, what if they didn't obey? And, we're, you know, I'm kind of previewing what we're going to read over the books of Exodus and, you know, coming up Leviticus, is that if they didn't obey, God created a system of atonement. And this is all going to be recorded in these laws that God is giving them. And they would bring an animal to be sacrificed to the entry of the tabernacle, and they would lay their hand on that animal. They would feel that animal dying for their sin. Uh, that animal's blood would be sprinkled and as a result of them being willing to bring that sacrifice to God, when they weren't obedient to the law, God made a way for them, their sin to be atoned for. Well, 
that was they still needed to be obedient, but God made a way when they were disobedient what they needed to do. But in the new covenant, what we have is God followed his own rules. And instead of us bringing the sacrifice, he brought the sacrifice. He essentially laid his hand on his own son and had Jesus Christ die as the Lamb of God to forgive us of our sins so that when we are disobedient and when we don't obey the new covenant of God, that we have someone who's died for us, taking our sin, ushering in God's grace and forgiving us. But that's not an excuse to sin, just like it was in the Old Testament. It's not like, oh, well, because there's a means of atonement, I should just be willy-nilly about sin because I can always just bring this animal here. No, that wasn't the point. The point was to honor God, but God did make a way in his grace when we dishonored him to 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 make a sacrifice. And then we wouldn't want to do it again. That animal was costly, by the way. And, and Jesus was was costly. He he was a heavy price for, for God to pay in order to forgive us of our sin. But still, the Bible is about faith expressing itself through obedience. It was then, and it is now. That's still something that's important to God. Praise God, we have a mediator on our behalf who died, though. So as we make mistakes, God is there to forgive us. But then let's repent and get right back on track. The other thing that I want you to see is is God's desire to have a, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. He wanted his people to be his special redeemed people, his special kingdom of priests close to him, serving his kingdom. That was God's original design, and it's been restored. And for a moment, what I'd like to do is I'd like to take us to First uh, uh, Peter chapter 2 in the New Testament. Now, this is not the only place, by the way, that this is referenced as far as us being a kingdom of priests. I mean, it's it's mentioned more than once, but I want to share with you how beautiful it is that God has restored this in the church today. He's restored his original desire to have a kingdom of priests. And this is what it says. If we pick it up in verse 4 of chapter 2 in First Peter, in coming to him as to a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God, you also, as living stones, were part of God's house. Because now, now God's house is not in that tabernacle or temple, but God's house is in us. You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, as Holy Spirit's in us now, for a holy priesthood. Now, we don't offer up animal sacrifices anymore. It says to offer up, this is what the holy priesthood does today, us, to offer up spiritual sacrifices, the fruit of lips that confess his name. I'm, I'm, that's not what it says here, but I'm inserting the fruit of lips that confess his name, the fruit of good works, uh, sharing the gospel with people, serving God's church, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And before you'd have to bring a, a lamb that was acceptable blameless, but now Jesus was that blameless lamb. For this is contained in scripture, behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. He who believes in Jesus is not going to be disappointed. This precious value then is for you who believe. See, this is now for the church, all who believe in him. But for those who disbelieve, those who have rejected the Messiah, who rejected Jesus, He's the stone which the builders rejected. This became the very cornerstone. The thing that the the Jews are rejecting has become the very cornerstone, Jesus Christ. And as a result, to them, verse 8 of chapter 2 of 1 Peter, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. 
See, Jesus is offensive to those who are unwilling to receive him because he is the only way to salvation now. We need to come through Jesus. And when we do, we become the family of God and we become his kingdom of priests. But to those who reject, he's a, he's a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Now, why do they stumble? Why is he offensive? For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word. See, obedience is still important. They don't want to be obedient and they reject him. They stumble for they are disobedient to the word and to this doom they were also appointed. People who disobey the word and don't fall in love with Jesus, the Messiah, the Lamb of God, are, are going to be doomed. But he doesn't want it that way. He wants us to be his very own possession, his very own kingdom of priests. He wants to draw us near. He loves his church who've accepted him. They are his bride. But you, listen to what it says in verse 9. But you, this is now to the church, hallelujah. This is to you and me if you believe in Jesus, hallelujah. But you are a chosen race. See, now instead of it being Israel, it's all who believe in Jesus. And, and those who do that are a royal priesthood. He's elevated us to his royal priesthood. We are a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Do you see what he's quoting from? He's quoting from Exodus 19, where we just are. We just were so that you what are we supposed to do what is the uh what is the spiritual sacrifices listen to this so that you this is why you're a kingdom of priests now so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him of jesus who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light hallelujah for you were once not a people you used to not be the people of god because God had a special family that was Israel, but now God has a special family and it's those who've believed in Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and you've been welcomed into this chosen family of God. But now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy in before, but now you have received mercy. Hallelujah. We've become the family of God. God has restored what he established in Exodus 19.6, that you will be my priesthood, my chosen possession. Uh, my family, hallelujah, my kingdom of priests. And that's who we are today, those of us who believe in Jesus. We've come to the front of the line, and we are now part of God's royal family. What a blessing that is. So these are the words that you're supposed to speak to the sons of Israel. This was for them back then. Exodus 19 now, back to that. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words, which the Lord had commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Now, it appears Moses may have come down and possibly given a preamble or a preview of, of the law, which we're going to get a much more thorough version in a moment. And this is perhaps they're just agreeing to, to whatever they've heard. They, they're just, they know that they need to trust God. They've seen all the miracles he did. And Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. Then the Lord said, Moses, behold, I will come to you in a thick cloud so that the people may hear when I speak with you and may also believe in you forever. Then Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. So God is giving Moses instruction to give to the people. And God is saying, I'm going to come near. The people can't come that near me. We'll see in a moment. But he wants them to be near enough that they can hear. And, and they are going to learn to trust Moses and they're going to learn to trust God and they're going to hear the words that God wants them to speak, but they're not going to be right in his proximity. And as you'll see there, the people were not allowed to come in the proximity of God. God was too holy and people are not. And we'll talk more about that in a moment. 
The Lord also said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. And even to get as near as they were supposed to get to hear this, they needed to wash their God garments and be holy because God is holy. Let them be ready for the third day, for on the third day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of the people. You shall set bounds for the people all around, saying, Beware that you do not go up on the mountain or touch the border of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. See, they're only going to be able to get so close, and they're not, they would normally be in the sight of him so they could hear God, but he's going to cloud himself with a cloud so they cannot actually see him, but they're going to come near to hear him. Now, no hand shall touch him, but he shall surely be stoned or shot through, whether beast or man, he shall not live. So they needed to follow God's instructions to not get on the mountain. They can come to the bottom of it, but not come on the mountain. And this shows that in the Old Covenant, there was great separation between God and man. The unholiness of man could not be in the holy presence of God. Um, and that's important. And we will see how that's been changed now too. When the ram's horn sounds a long blast, they shall come to the mountain, to the base of the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and he consecrated the people. They got themselves cleaned up and holy and they washed their garments. And he said to the people, be ready for the third day and do not go near a woman. He didn't want them to be having sexual relations in preparation for their holiness uh, to, to meet God near the mountain. So it came about on the third day when it was morning that there was thunder and lightning flashes and a thick cloud upon the mountain and a loud, very loud trumpet sound. So all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now God is making this very memorable. And he's showing his power. And he, he is desiring so much. Do you know that God wants to bless his people? Do you know that it says that if people will just obey God, that they will be blessed? And if they don't obey God, they're going to be cursed. That's part of this, this covenant. And he wants them to listen to him. And he wants them to obey them. He wants them to be his people. And he wants to bless them as his family. And he's trying to get them to respect, awe, have awe and reverence for God and the very word of God. That's why we have revering the word. Because if they do, they're going to be blessed and his family is going to be blessed. And this is what he wants. So he sets up, we could call it these theatrics in a way, all these signs and wonders and, and power to put them in a position that they will listen and obey him so that he can bless them. Now Mount Sinai was in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire and its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace and the whole mountain quaked violently. Imagine how they would heed his words. When the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him with thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain. The Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain and Moses went up. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Go down, warn the people, so that they not break through to the Lord to gaze, and many of them perish. See, God doesn't want them harmed. He's like over and over and over warning them through Moses to follow his instructions. He doesn't want to, he doesn't want to hurt any of them. He, but he's like, I've been telling you, don't come up the mountain because you're you will be punished if you do. And he's he's trying to go out of his way to to give them the instructions so they'll they'll hear him and, and not face punishment. Also let the priests come near. And this was likely just at this point, just like Aaron and maybe some firstborn of some family, because 
at this point, it's a kingdom of priests. There's a few people serving as priests. Eventually, the Levites come to be priests. We'll see that in the upcoming chapters, but that hasn't been done yet. Also, let the priests who come near to the Lord consecrate themselves, or else the Lord will break out against them. Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for you warned us, saying, Set bounds about the mountain and consecrate it. God's saying, hey, no one's coming up but me because, you know, we're following your instructions. So now that God's going to clarify to Moses, then the Lord said to him, go down and come up again, you and Aaron with you, but do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord or he will break forth upon them. So Moses went down to the people and told them. So he gives them that instruction. And what's going to happen now is God's going to speak. In verse 20, he's going to begin to give the Ten Commandments and so much more. But now he's got everybody where they need to be. He's got boundaries set. He doesn't want to put any harm on the people. And he's going to give them his word. Hallelujah. You know what's amazing is you see this great separation because of sin between God and his people. And isn't it amazing that in this day and age, this dispensation that we live in in the church age, after Jesus Christ came, by the way, right in the midst of the people, and he was God with us, and he came right near the people, and then he ultimately died on that cross. He took what separated us from God. He took our unholiness upon himself on that cross. And now in this age that we live in today, God's spirit can come so near that it's come to reside in his church. He, he resides right in us, whereas before there was this great separation because of unholiness. But now, because Jesus took what was unholy, on the cross for us, God can come near and even live inside of us. And this is what permits us, by the way, to go before God in heaven. You see how the separation existed then. And we wouldn't be permitted into heaven, but because of the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, we now have access to God through the believing in him, his church, in a way that never existed before. There is a blessing upon the church. Man, I tell you what, I'm going through Revelation as many of you know, I teach pre-tribulation rapture. And one of the things that just saddens me about those who don't uh, buy into a pre-tribulation rapture is that they just, in my mind, don't see the blessing of God upon the church. The bride of Christ we are. The love of God that has been extended to the church. He's given us his Holy Spirit. He lives inside of us now. We are a special chosen family of God now, his kingdom of priests. And yes, he's going to treat his church who's trusted in his Messiah differently than those who have rejected Jesus. There's a difference now between those who believe in Jesus and those who don't. And God is preparing a special place. He went ahead to prepare a place and he's going to come and take us to be where he is going John 14, hallelujah. Don't lose sight of the blessing of God upon his church and, and, and indeed the punishment on those who have rejected the Messiah. We are God's special family. Hallelujah.